It's the dead of winter. You're home right now, curled up on the couch, all safe and warm, listening to Attack of the Killer podcast. The roads are bad, travel conditions are ill-advised, but you're all safe in your home, right? Perfectly safe. Or are you trapped? Maybe being home alone is the last place you should be. What it what is happening right now in your basement morgue? Is Satan in your elevator? Or maybe, if you're not careful, you'll get stuck on your chairlift from your kitchen to your ski mountain. All those questions and more, like why do you have a morgue, an elevator, and a ski lift in your house, on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. everybody i am your host insane mike and this is attack of the killer podcast this is episode 201 we are Ow. into the next chapter of attack of the killer podcast it's a new century it's a long ass chapters yeah. more in peace or what <laughs> and this episode we are talking about movies that take place in a single location but first a word is from this our- is this two? Uh, oh, sorry. Is this uh, episode two hundred one location? Oh, two hundred one location. Nice. nice. Before we get into <laughs> any of that, a word from our sponsor, and that word is awesome. <laughs> That's right. Our sponsor is Shutter, and they are awesome. That's true. Shutter is the Netflix for mm-hmm. horror. If you are a horror fan and have not signed up for Shudder, what are you waiting for? A free month? Well, wait no longer, because you are going to get a free month on us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. And once you do, once you sign up for that free month, you're going to be hooked, I tell you, I promise you. So when you look up Shudder, you enter our specific promo code, AOTKP, and you get that first month for free! You're welcome! Now, if this is the first time you are listening to our show, let me tell tell you a little bit about what we're all about. About. About, about, about. <laughs> Attack of the Killer podcast is a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends from all walks of life. We get together and discuss the one thing that we have in common, our love for horror movies. We pick a topic, discuss movies within that topic. Now, again... We're all just friends discussing movies as if we're all just hanging out on somebody's couch, so there's probably going to be spoilers. If you love our show, you should check out all the shows on our network. That network is the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Now, there are 17 shows in all, including Movie Defenders, Atomic Way to Cheese, Death List, Land of the Creeps, All About Movies, Midnight Snacks, Story by Podcast, Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie, My Bleeding Ears, Campfire and Doctrine, Doctrination, My Bleeding Ears, Lunch Break, (laughs) Geeking Poetic, Late Night Psychorama, In the Mic of Madness, Exploitation Films Cast, Gore Lords Podcast, and the Horror Cast. <sighs> you can check out all those shows on the network. You just go to thepfpn.com. Check them out. It's good shows. Do it. 
Do you want to know how you can help support the show? Become a Patreon supporter, of course. Oh. And when you become a supporter of our Patreon, you will be rewarded with hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of <laughs> bonus content made just for our Patreon supporters. For real. That's right. There are those other podcasts out there that claim they have the best content for Patreon supporters, Lies. but they obviously haven't seen ours. Yeah, fuck them. That's right. <laughs> You get bonus episodes, videos, Insane Mike's Women, a top ten list. You can get both podcasts and videos weekly by being a Patreon supporter. You can also get like shout-outs on the show. Uh, you can assign us to do a commentary episode of your choosing. Uh, you can even get one of our all-new black t-shirts. Ooh. That's right. And there's even more to come. We're constantly think thinking of new and cool things to do for you, the Patreon supporters. We don't always. I ex- still haven't even got my black shirt yet. Right. So go to <laughs> patreon.com backslash AOTKP and become a supporter of the show today. Are you a, a, a patron, Andy? Do you? Oh. Well, I, uh, I I was very Patreon-ish when I paid for one and I got the wrong size and I, <laughs> I sent it back and it's on its way. It's yeah, it's totally on its way. We're so busy. Be a pony, be a pony Express. Right. Yeah. Well, we okay. had to get through the holidays, all those orders, <laughs> all those Christmas just, orders we had to fill. Uh, you'll get it I'll, when we see you next. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll get it when I get it. See you in hell. <laughs> all right, so now it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He's the man of a thousand voices, Andy Wassum, everybody. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> and that's what I'll take it. Yes, he's the designated beard of our show, Tad Good. Everyone, <laughs> very true, uh, and more than one grouchy. way. Oh, very grouchy. He needs a Snickers. What is that? He does, <laughs> he does need, need a Snickers. And lastly, a man who needs no introduction. I'll put the cricket noises there. I promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. While I got your attention, I just want to give you a quick. I just want to. I just want to say, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, and we have uh, Instagram. You can. It's at Attack of the Killer Podcast, and we have a Twitter at AOTKP. Be sure to follow us. See what's going on out on the interwebs. Check out our TikTok, our Snapchat. It's coming up. It's soon. First the shirt for Andy, and then we'll sign up for TikTok. <laughs> Goddamn right. So by episode four hundred and one. Yeah, maybe. One thing at a time. All right. Cool. How's everybody doing? Good. Awesome. Well. Oh man, episode two hundred. That was that was fun. Woo. It's a good one. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. That's right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. To start things off, I'm going to turn it over to Tad. Oh great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, um, I actually have something for this week, so I'm excited. Uh, let's get into what we watched, where we talk about what we watched since episode 200. So let's start with Andy. What did you watch? Oh, I got a few um, uh, things in the mail that I got to watching a little bit and. A couple of them are from one of my favorite uh, distributors called Vinegar Syndrome. Woo! 
And uh, one of them is called uh, Evils of the Night. And I'm looking at the cover right now, and it's so hilarious because they need to get sued by Star Wars because there is, I shit you not, there's a basically a mock-up of the Millennium Falcon, only like the cockpit is on the opposite side. And it's basically, I'll read the tagline, Alien Vampires in Search of Teenage Blood. So basically, all these teenagers are getting kidnapped, and they're getting their blood drained so they can these alien vampires can uh, exist. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, this is a great, great uh, uh, train wreck. Um, <laughs> it's got Julie Newmar in it. Um, not like, you know, uh, Patrick Swayze, you know, pretending to be Julie Newmar, but... Uh, uh, but the like the original Catwoman, uh, and she's a space vampire apparently, and they've hired these two mechanics to like you know kidnap teenagers, and that way they could like drain their blood. I mean, it's just fucking bizarre. It's great, and uh, <laughs> it's got Amber Lynn in it as for like you know eye candy. You know, like it's basically just her coked out you know eighties uh, porn star phase. Uh, yeah, it's it's worth a watch. I mean, if you want to watch some really weird shit. Uh, but yeah, Evils of the Night, that's number one. It sounds freaking uh, awesome. Second, <laughs> have, you, have you seen it? No, I've never even heard of it. But uh, yeah, All you had to say was Vinegar Syndrome, Reverse Millennium Falcon, yeah. Space Vampires Sucking Teenagers' Bloods, Amber Lynn, and I'm in. Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, I don't think there's actually a Millennium Falcon. It's that, that's just what they had for like the cover, On the poster. Like, pretty, okay. Yeah, to pretty much draw you in. You know, I'm just I'm looking at it. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> the next one up, I really enjoyed because, um, and I was drawn to it to to buy it uh, because it had William Forsythe and uh, Lance Henriksen in it. And it's uh, it also has George Kennedy, Karen Black, uh, Richard Lynch. Um, if you don't know who Richard Lynch is, he played the principal in Rob Zombie's Halloween. You know, I don't like bringing you in here every ten seconds. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Um. But anyway, essentially, it's about this motorcycle gang led by uh, William Forsythe. Uh. And they terrorize this town, and they're able to do it because they hijack some stuff from the National Guard, and they're going around, you know, uh, uh, just, you know, smashing shit in this town because they, they were, you know, they were ran out of there, and they got a fucking tank, and they go over, you know, cars and shit. And uh, Lance Henriksen is like this badass biker, and his last name's Stryker, you know, that's like not, you know, typecast at all. <laughs> but, uh, and the thing is, I mean, it's got so much great stuff in it because, like, Richard Lynch is, like, this horny priest. And he's, like, screwing one of the biker girls and he's, like, all, you know, conflicted about it. Um, Karen Black, the OG Firefly, gets into a cat fight with this chick and gives her, like, this massive titty twister in the end. <laughs> and uh, that that's, like, the literally the end of the fight. This, this chick can't go any more further because she got such a vicious titty twister. But the real, the real cool part of this, Sam Kinison is in this. What the hell? What? What's oh, the name oh, of this movie? Oh, oh. I, did you even say the name of the movie yet? Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's. I thought I did. It's called Savage Dawn. 
Oh man, and freaking it, amazing and, cast, man. Um. Oh yeah, and it's is it a good movie? No, not really. But is it's is it a bad movie? Some might say yes, but is it a fun movie? You bet your ass. Um. But the thing is, with Sam Kinison, his role is very short, but it's very memorable because he plays. And this is like made in 1985, so this is like during his heyday when he's like really starting to gain momentum as like this really raunchy comic. But he plays a born again Christian barber that's trying to convert <laughs> one of the bikers, and he's like singing "Amazing Grace," and the bo- and this biker fucking loses it, dude. Just gets pissed, takes a bottle, and like slashes Sam Kenneth's throat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. It's it's fun. Savage Dawn. You can uh, you should be able to get it. It's numbered. It's one of those limited releases of on uh, Vinegar Syndrome. But it's it's a fun movie, and you know William Forsyth is good in it. Is good in it. You know uh, Lance Henriksen, George Kennedy is actually in this too. So yeah, check it out. Savage Dawn. Wow. Next one. Next one up is one that I've been really, really wanting to see, and I'm glad that I did because it's just so freaking nuts, uh, is Burial Ground, the uh, Italian zombie yes, one. Yes, I love this movie. Um, I got to say... With, that, creepy, I mean, with creepy little miniature Dario Argento? Uh, yeah, his name is Peter Bark. And, oh, yeah. Um, that ending scene is worth the movie. The movie's like a, a good time. It just... Uh, alone because it's uh basically it's italian it's an italian zombie movies which that mean you should just watch it anyway but um basically this guy uh has a very unnatural uh, uh, attachment to his mother like he makes mm-hmm. norman he makes norman bates look like fucking nikki six okay that's how attached to his mother this guy is um but the there's an there's an end scene where basically um, he wants to like basic he, he becomes a zombie and he wants to nurse on his mother and he freaking latches onto his mom's tit and takes a hunk out of it like it's a fucking Nestle Crunch. Um, <laughs> it's it's nasty, man. I mean, it's it, that that's worth watching it alone, right yeah, there. It is. But uh, burial ground, I do, I high, I got it's uh, I bought it from Severin. And uh, I very, very highly recommend that. Um, my last one that I watched, it's actually a double feature. It's from the MGM Midnight Movies collection. And it was uh, it's the Ingrid Pitt double feature, for, uh, Countess Dracula and the Vampire Lovers, which uh, both of them uh, I really liked. Uh, basically, old school Hammer uh, TNA. Uh, Countess Dracula wasn't bad because it's based on Elizabeth Bathory and where she bathes in the blood and virgins and it makes her younger and all this and that. It's not really super horror based. It's just, you know, you know, random murders. But the Vampire Lovers is like a legit vampire movie and it's got Peter Cushing in it and everything. And recently I I learned that uh, I was reading about the about the film and uh uh, Ingrid Pitt, you know, kept biting into uh, Kate Mara's breast because there's like there's tones of lesbianism in this movie. It's just, I mean, it's right in front of your face. There's no, there's no real hiding it. And they said they kept screwing, uh, screwing up and messing up takes because uh, her teeth would like, you know, come out of her mouth and still be attached to Kate Mara's boob, which I think is hilarious. You know, 
So basically, you know, I, you know, watched a movie, bunch of movies to come in here and, you know, talk to you about tits getting bitten and, you know, being shown and stuff like that. Not that I need a podcast to talk about tits. <laughs> but, but yeah, anyway, that's, that's my watch. <laughs> you, you ordered uh, for vinegar syndrome and you didn't go ahead and get Tammy and the T-Rex? I did not get Tammy and the T-Rex. No, I did not. But you can watch it on Shudder, our sponsors, and if you use the code AOTKP, you can watch it for free right now. And it is the gore version? Uh, the Not only, a, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say it. I assume it is because it's the same cover as, as the new, as yep. the Blu-ray release. Yes, and uh, <laughs> if you watch it on Shutter or the the Gore Cut, you will notice it's actually on the title card called Tanny and the Teenage T Rex because somehow the person doing the the uh, title card misspelled Tammy. <laughs> And oh put goodness. the wrong title for the movie. Nice. Anyways, um, Mike, what did you watch? I watched... Um, I didn't get a whole lot watched. I did watch... Thank just <laughs> just <laughs> last night, I watched the Betty White documentary on um, Netflix. That was awesome. So, what are you looking at me like That's that for? Horror-related? Yeah. Well, no, it's not, but... Oh, I didn't but know he fucking watched it. But, yeah. yeah. He doesn't get a watch. Um... And Betty White's so awesome. She's a cool lady. He, yeah. Uh, I also watched the Jane Silent Bob um, redo. Me too. Me three. Yeah. yeah. What'd y'all think? I like. I don't it. know. I haven't seen it. I thought it was hilarious and smart and really good. Smart? Yes. Okay. I'm Mike felt the opposite. A little indecisive. I felt it was a little. I thought the movie felt kind of sloppy to me. Um, it felt like there were several moments of, of um, moments that he wanted to have these these like specific moments to happen, and he couldn't figure out a way of writing it into the so story. So it just yeah. forced it in. There was quite a few of those moments. It felt like to me. Um, sure. Yeah. So. Sloppy and forced in is how you're describing this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. What did you think of it, Ted? Um, I mean, I sort of went into it knowing that it would be two hours of Kevin Smith sucking his own dick, but uh, there was some funny moments. Yeah, there's some uh, funny moments for sure. I just the I don't know. I'm not going to spoil anything for Andy who might enjoy it, but well, actually, uh, I don't know. I just I, I don't, I'm not sure. I felt I felt funny, and it's because I'm very familiar with these characters, uh, obviously. But it just felt like Kevin Smith going back to the well, where I I, I want to see him do more stuff. Uh, you know, like weird horror stuff. I, I like that when he was Tusk and that kind of stuff. It was yeah. like, you know, this he he was such a craftsman so good at what he did in the 90s but i feel like he's still sort of stuck there i i absolutely hated the score it felt so corny and cheesy uh that was one thing that always sticks out to me if a score is bad it really pulls me out of the movie but it was it was sweet seeing some of these people come back it was nice to see but like you said it felt like uh he just wanted to have like matt damon in the movie that scene was really forced 
Yeah. Uh, Served no you know. purpose. The movie comes to a grinding halt, so Matt Damon can show up and do a speech about still be about being um um oh, what's his face from Dogma? I already forgot the Loki. Loki. Yeah, and it's, it felt like that with Affleck a little bit too, where it's like, I mean, e- even knowing that ahead of time that they they sort of uh, they didn't he didn't have anything written for him, and then they sort of called each other and made up, and last minute he jumped in and they shot a scene real quick with Ben. That, yeah, that scene with, really to me it felt like that's that that speech Ben gives in that movie was is like the the theme of the whole film. So that's kind of interesting to know that it was a last well, see, minute two different thing. perspectives because I I knew that going in, so maybe I view it like that. You know what I mean? Where it's probably best to not know that going in. But like yeah. he he wrote a long post about how they had already almost wrapped filming, and his wife was like, you know, you're gonna you're not gonna feel complete if you don't at least call and try to get him in it. And uh, they hadn't talked in years, and and they had some. Uh, sort of beef that was almost made up in the press like they were almost talking to each other just through quotes in the press when things were taken out of context and they both assumed the other one was mad at each other and when they finally called and made up it was like oh why are we even mad at each other like we're not mad at each other okay let's do this and they mended fences and you know filmed that scene and and i think it was very sweet though because like it felt like you you know just like sort of you said uh maybe sort of throwing him in while he's shooting this movie surrounded by his friends and family and loved ones and revisiting his characters maybe that the organic nature of that instead of sitting in a room and writing it you know maybe helped uh make it feel genuine but uh Hmm. no it was cool to visit all these old characters and it had a funny ending and uh you know, makes it, it, it poke fun at the geek culture that we all know and love, and very relatable in that manner. Uh, it's it's very strange seeing everybody either old or skinny or fat now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's like uh, you know, Kevin took some of his body weight and threw it at Ben Affleck, or you know, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Ben, man, Ben let himself go after after Batman, I guess, because he, I, I think. Yeah, I think it also has to do with him being completely clean shaven. He looks so weird. Like uh, that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, because we were used to seeing him at least with a five o'clock shadow. He's a handsome fucking dude. So uh, yeah, you know. But anyways, this isn't the uh, Jay and Silent Bob cast. But it was, uh, it was fun. Nope, Kevin Smith has got six or seven shows for that. So, um, yeah. and then the last thing I watched, uh, the only horror film I, I got a chance to watch, uh, Zombieland 2 Double Tap, because I finally got to see mm. that. You enjoy it? I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And it's, it's interesting, because Jason and I talked about both Jane Silent Bob and Zombieland 2, and I felt like you guys did about... Jay and Silent Bob about Zombieland 2, basically. Yeah, yeah. my gripes about Jay and Silent Bob were his gripes about Zombieland. So it was weird, because I felt like Zombieland was far more, was better written and more cohesive and more on point. But felt more forced and... That's just weird. (laughs) But it felt like, for me, for Zombieland... yeah. Yeah, well, for me, it felt like they were just too damn late for it, and it was like, you know... It's it was fun, but uh, it felt like it just sort of fell flat because they wa- they waited too long, and 
I just didn't really care anymore. It was fun. I really did enjoy it, but it just it could have been so much bigger if they would have done it like a couple a couple years after the first one. Yeah, maybe. I felt the same way about the second uh, Sin City. Yeah, definitely for sure on that one. That's yeah, yeah. Which is a huge bummer because I love the first one, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Zombieland is those funny. Zombieland two, you know, it, all of it's worth it for me is for that that credit sequence where Bill Murray is beating up zombies with the chair to the Caddyshack theme song. I thought you meant like the opening credits where like the Columbia Pictures woman's beating yeah. up zombies with yeah, a that, torch. Yeah, that was freaking awesome too. <clears throat> I, I love the whole scene where like the doppelganger show up, you know, and uh, it's yep. Thomas Middleditch and uh, Luke, Luke Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. yeah, that shit was pretty damn funny. And and the new girl, the g- girlfriend, uh, Jesse Eisenberg's girlfriend in the movie, she oh. stole the show every time she's on screen. She's fucking hilarious. Yeah. She was rather funny, and it and it's it it that's tough to do because it's like it's like borderline annoying, you know. Oh yeah, you're gonna either be the most hated character or the or uh, most loved, and I thought she was great and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Me too. Of course, of course, Woody is always fucking great. Like, I love that role for him. He is just such a sarcastic dickhead, and he's great. And I just like w- looking at Emma Stone, so I was okay with it. You know. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do. With, I mean, I I just love the relationship between those two characters, between Woody and um and and Jesse's character. They're such such day and night characters, and how they kind of uns. Spoken and spokenly need each other, kind of thing, you know. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, and, yeah, I could, I could good. watch another hundred of them. I'd be okay. Yeah, good to go back and see old characters. I felt like some of the stuff, especially the what was it, Zombie Kill of the Week? Uh, that how does that make any sense at all? Like, where are they yeah. getting? The, yeah. How does he know footage? Yeah. <laughs> what is he getting? He's getting video sent in, like America's Funniest Home Videos. What is this? Like. I mean, of course, I like seeing it, but it just—I wish they would have just cut that out because it pulled me out of the movie. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, it was still funny. It's so over the top of like dropping the Leaning Tower pizza on some on two zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, I thought that the whole time too. I thought that in the first movie is like, how does he know? How does he know this? Right. <clears throat> anyway, but that's it. That's all I watched. All right. Well. Once again, get comfortable, because uh, Jason, what'd you watch? Well, I did watch at least a dozen films. I'll, not all whole horror. I too saw Jane Silent Bob reboot. I liked it a lot. I watched The Thing again. Nice. Thing is so good. And then uh, from our 200th episode with Brian, y'all went off talking about Dolomite is my name, and I watched it. And gosh dang, it Shit, was man, awesome. That. It really was awesome. That's I need on to the, get around to that too. It's on Netflix, I think, and. Yes, Netflix original. Uh, then I saw some uncut gems. Holy Fuck yeah. balls. Oh, you got to see it. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah, and? Oh, I loved it. Sort of. I've not heard one negative thing, but the common but the common thing I've heard from most people about this movie had me nervous for you seeing it. Which was? It's just the, the movie just... Put you on edge through the whole thing. Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's, so I didn't uh, know how well you'd react to that. No, it's, yeah, it's a movie where the main character can't catch a fucking break. Exactly. And it keeps compounding and compounding, and 
it's rough for that. But at the same time, um, it wasn't a normal movie. It, I don't know. It felt damn near documentary. Like you're really just kind of following this dude around and the situations are just nuts beyond nuts. And, and the thing I don't like about it is the thing that's why it's good is the ending. And, uh, and it's the only ending it could probably have, but it, but I, man, it's, uh, yeah, there, there's a, even though it, it feels like there's no style, there's definitely style to the film itself. It's, and it's intense as fuck. And, and Adam Sandler is great. I mean, he is mm-hmm. great. You see the brothers put out a short film with him this, uh, uh-uh. this week too. Yeah. They just put out a new short film starring Sandler, uh, this week and they're awesome. showing it with like the 35 millimeter screenings of uncut gems in theaters. Sweet. It's on Vimeo to watch for <coughs> free. It's great. Cool. I will do that later. Um, we also watched knives out. That was great. Woo. Yeah. I love that one. I need to see that too. Jeez. Yep. Uh, zombie land double tap is pretty good. Um, I, fi- oh, I, I can't stop thinking about this one. I finally, uh, got comfortable for the Irishman. Yeah, mm. I really, really liked it. It was so Joe great. Joe Pesci's back. Yeah, he really was. Um, gosh, movie's so great, and for lots of reasons, but just uh, and 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 it really made me like be more pro lengthy film. Yeah, because I'm, I'm like three and a half hours, sure, but like. Uh, I get to spend three and a half hours with these guys and in this movie and it was that was one of the good things. Anyway. Yes. It's really, 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 really good. I also saw Bombshell. Uh that one was freaking fantastic and as much as I wouldn't yeah, fuck, fuck Fox News. I was gonna say I like Fox News is the most Amen. devilish it's the devil and I I don't I can't see anything about it. Sorry, listeners that are Republicans, but um, I never thought I could even be this close to something that was close to Fox News and like it. But this movie was really damn good, and it, and Charlie's the makeup in it is incredible too. Like Tina halfway through the movie, and I'm like, you know, that's Charlize, right? And she's like, no, it isn't. And then she, and then she, and the whole rest of the movie was ruined because she was just like. Couldn't believe it. Anyway, um, it was damn good, and 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 the, the reason for the movie to expose them fucking assholes and men in general. It's a great movie. Everyone should see it. I also saw a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Holy mm-hmm. fucking shit! I didn't expect to cry that much. Having just seen the documentary about him, it, I assumed it was going to be like that, but it really was a whole different kind of movie. That's just actually a, a great narrative film that has Mister Rogers in it. Right? But, uh, yeah, I hear he's not even the right. main. Not really. Of it. I mean, he is, but oh man, it's so good. And then, lastly, the movie I can't really, I really can't stop thinking about is uh, Tina and I had a little date night Saturday, and we went and saw 1917. And motherfuck, yes. it loved it too. And so, like. I was kind of talking to Mike earlier, like, I totally didn't, I don't, I, I know that we spend our horror lives talking about subgenres, but I never think about 
normal movies having subgenres that much. Or I just didn't. I mean, I know war movies is a subgenre. I just never. I ne- I've never classified them or put them in a group before, until the lights come up after the movies. Done, and Tina turns to me and says, "You're lucky. I love you." Cause I'm like, "What?" She's like, "I don't watch war movies. They're too sad." And I'm like, "I get it. I get it." Yeah, my boss is like, "I just simply can't go see it because World War One is just so I get sad. It. There was, you know, it was a horrible time for our country, and there isn't a war movie everybody. that's any that's that's got a. I mean, this sort of has a happy. I don't know. It's you know, there is there is nothing good that comes from war, and so yeah so but you know this the stories within the the awful thing can still be a good story and this one has an amazing story but the coolest thing about it is it's presented as one take and i just the filmmaker and me i just i have so many things to love about it because of that imagine I, and it's an and it's a war movie. There's guns. There's thousands of characters. The choreography in this movie is fucking mind blowing. I, I read a tweet that said that uh, that Cumberbatch, you know, they had him on set for the whole time, and he basically sit, stood in this bunker. Yep. And uh, they would shoot the whole movie, and if something went wrong or someone flubbed a line or anything. They would start at the very fucking beginning and start over because you have to. Uh-huh. And they would he would basically sit in this room and eat his meals and hang out from the beginning of the shoot till the end. And he would hope that you know the camera gets you, there. He, yeah, and he he had a uh, walkie-talkie and they would give him a heads up that something they're coming. And then they would come and he shoot the scene and they move on and he would still sit there because if someone screwed up afterwards then they'd uh-huh. have to start over and he he still had to be there. <laughs> it's just like you don't think about that and it's like yeah. holy fuck. Oh, and I and and I told Tina about it in the beginning. So we'd like—I mean, obviously they can't shoot it a completely in one take, but right, you can, you can see where they do, like when they go down a dark hallway. Right, right. Or, so we'd had fun like trying to find where the cuts were. Yeah. But oh man, just and yeah, then we, like the most incredible cinematography the world's ever seen, or like the world's uh, greatest fucking drone. I don't know how they do. I don't. Yeah, oh, I it's impossible. I I've seen, want to read I've seen more. Some like a little bit of footage from behind the scenes, and it's really? crazy. I'll, I'll send you a link. Please uh, do of the scene where he's he's he jumps up from the trenches and is running as like bombs are exploding behind him. It's like that's the, the what scene went into of fucking that. scenes. Yeah, and uh, and you know it was a, real because he gets fucking knocked down. You're like, that's just chance. Who comes right, out of there? And they're like, we right, can't cut. Yeah, you got to no fucking to. run, dude. Right. Oh. Man, it's just, it's just my mind can't. No, it's it is a feat what this movie so you, did. You think Best Picture, obviously? Oh fuck, there's no way it couldn't. Just I feel bad because I I really do think it's gonna win, and I think uh, Tarantino deserves it too. Cause I it's agree. Like, this is his. You know, I, I I know he's making one more, but come on, like he could leave now, and this would be a f- perfect, you know, sign out of his career. But he's just not gonna be able to get it because 1917 came along. Oh my gosh, it's it it's got it all, and it's whew, man, go see it, please go see it. It's worth it, even if yes, even go though war theater. movies are hard. Yeah, go see it in the theater if you can. Don't watch it at home. Yeah, Mike. Anyway, so that's what I watched. Thanks for your patience, everyone. 
<laughs> Excellent. No, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I I've seen a lot of the same stuff you did because I I yeah. right before the Oscars I tend to try to catch up and see Definitely. as much as I can. Me too. So uh, I don't really remember what I said I seen last time. I think I I maybe the last time I talked the last one I saw was Parasite and uh, yeah. if you haven't seen that really need to see that it has some so some many horror, nods oh some hor- horror adjacent stuff in there um I've, i watched it again the other night because a friend was like i really want to watch it and i'm like well if you're gonna watch it we might as well watch it together come over so we watched <laughs> it um i saw toy story 4 because that's you know up for best animated feature uh-huh. and uh it was okay like i'm just not i mean i know it's a horror podcast and but everybody knows toy story it's part of our pop culture uh I don't know. I, I felt like three was a perfect ending, and they should have sort of left it yeah. there. And four was fine, but it was no three. And it's sort of like, why go back if we have a perfect? Like you nailed the ending. So, anyways, um, another friend wanted to watch a horror movie, so I made them watch The Perfection because he's like a, a big, uh, big into music. He works in the music industry and he went to school for music. And I was like, oh, I have one for you. We watched that and it freaked him out. Um, Went back and watched Hans Zimmer live in Prague again because that's always rad. It's a live concert Blu-ray of, and it's on uh, Netflix if you want to watch it. Hans Zimmer in his like 62-piece orchestra band and choir, doing uh, all of his infamous scores live. Um, Hustlers, I watched. That was a lot of fun. Was it? Uh, yeah, I mean Jennifer Lopez like in the first two minutes is nearly naked, and that's worth the uh, hour and a half. <laughs> By itself, I mean, unbelievable at her age, what she, the position she can flex into. Um, I saw Underwater. That was fantastic. Yeah. Has anyone else seen it yet? No. No. Man, it's like, uh, I know it's getting a lot of comparisons to Alien uh, because, you know, it has uh, Kristen Stewart with her head shaved and she's very much Ripley in a spacesuit. And, uh, but. For me, it, it sort of touched on several things that are that freak me out. Um, I'm very claustrophobic, and I hate water. Like the scariest yeah. two things in the world to me are outer space and the bottom of the ocean. And this one just goes in the opposite end of Alien, where it goes into the bottom of the ocean, where they have this like big um, base with uh, underwater, and they're exploring. And uh, there's parts where shit's going bad so they have to get out and walk around in its complete darkness underwater there are several miles under water and uh just the claustrophobia of it and going out into the unknown and uh freaks me the fuck out uh this one i guess was filmed two years ago and it just sat on the shelf until now and they dumped it in in uh, january um and it's a shame because it's really good it has like kristen stewart and it has tj miller which when I saw his name in it, I'm like, I wonder how long ago this was shot because he's pretty much been canceled. And, uh, he was pretty funny in it, uh, I, but knowing him as a person, I couldn't wait for him to die. The uh, movie has a lot of uh, really cool stuff, some H.P. Lovecraft influence heavily. Uh, definitely, uh, the score is really good. Performance is really good. If It's a simple popcorn sci-fi horror movie. It's really, I mean... There's not a whole lot to the story. Just go enjoy it. But it's it's a blast. It it kicks off like right away, and it doesn't stop at all until the credits roll. It doesn't waste any time. You don't get to know the characters in any way at all. They just oh, opening scenes, action right into it. So uh, I think you know it's it's the uh, 
pure pure action from start to start to finish. Uh, I saw 1917, as I mentioned. I also saw Bombshell, and then I watched something last night I fucking loved that I've been meaning to see, didn't see it until now, and I watched The Beach Bum. Has anybody seen that? Nope. Mm-mm. It is Harmony Kareen's movie that came out <clears throat> in 2019 with uh, Matthew McConaughey, and nope. it has Matthew McConaughey, Jonah Hill. Um, Snoop Dogg, um, Zach Efron, uh, um, who else is in it? It has quite a cast. Oh, Jimmy Buffett, <laughs> uh, Martin Lawrence. Wow. Um, yeah, this shit is wild, dude. Uh, basically, it follows this, wh- what you'd call it, is a guy named Moondog. I mean, this is like full harmony, Kareem, what the fuck and it's so enjoyable. It's a, it's a completely stone, a, a complete stoner film. Basically, uh, Matthew McConaughey plays this obnoxious douchebag freeloader idiot stoner, uh, uh, that lives in like the keys and he, he goes around sort of freeloading off everybody. And he has a super rich wife who is sleeping with Snoop Dogg on the side. Um, he calls himself Moondog, and every, he's notorious because everybody knows him. He's sort of the local stoner idiot. Um, but basically, his reckless lifestyle leads to his wife being killed, and she's super, super loaded. So she has one thing in her will that he has to finish. He, he's, he calls himself an author. He's basically a, a poet that writes really crazy, dumb shit. But he has to finish his novel to get her fortune. So the movie is him. He carries a typewriter in a pillow sack, like a like a pillowcase over his shoulder, all around Florida, and uh, it, it's so bizarre, man. He wears like like adult, uh, what do you even call them? Like onesies that have like like Hawaiian print on them, and he wears like his wife's Uggs and these stupid sunglasses. He has really long hair. It is a weird ass movie, but it's so damn funny. Like a singlet. Uh, yes. Yeah, sort of like that. Yeah, it's just... It's on Hulu. I highly recommend it, because it, me, Blake, and Nikki watched it last night, and we were, like, crying. We were like, what the fuck are we watching right now? <laughs> it looks like Harmony Kareen got a... Uh, it's beautifully shot. I mean, it's, like, soaks in those neons, and the cinematography is gorgeous, and the soundtrack alone probably costs more than anything. I cannot believe they got the clearance. They, got, I mean, of course... Jimmy Buffett is like a lead character in this movie, so there's a lot of his music in it. But it's just the most random cast of people thrown together. I have no idea how he convinced all these people to be in this movie. They had to read the script and be like, "What? what is, what is this? Okay, I guess I'll do it. But it seems like maybe Harmony Korine and Matthew McConaughey just had a blast filming this. I mean, it looks like, like Matthew McConaughey just had the most fun he's ever had in his life making this movie. Uh, so I highly recommend it. I love Harmony Kareen, and this one is not such a. It's, it's not as big of a bummer as you know Spring Breakers. Definitely not as kids. Like his his movies seem to be getting happier as he gets older. So, um, I highly recommend it. There's there's not really a lot of horror adjacent stuff, but uh, it's it's so damn funny. Yeah, Gummo was like super depressing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he, like I said, his movies seem to slowly be getting more funny and lighthearted. And this one is like, just sit back and enjoy it. It's not, it, it's like, it, it, I think when it came out in theaters, they did 
these these showings. I forget what they call it. If it's like scent Centovision or something, but they basically rolled in like weed scented uh, incense or something like like a fog into the theater, so you could smell like weed while you watched the movie. And I, I'm not a stoner at all, but uh, I really can appreciate stoner humor <laughs> at times. So um, highly recommend <laughs> the Beach Bum if you're looking for something fun and stupid. Nice. Very That's cool. what I watched. Cool. All right. Well, Jason and I sit here in our recording studio, freezing our asses off. <laughs> a little chilly this evening. Because the boilers in this room isn't working for I'll some reason. I'll share my blanket with you. Thanks. And it just makes me think of the first movie we're going to talk about this evening. Oh, yeah. Jason, what is that movie? The movie we're going to talk about from 2010, Adam Green's Frozen. I'm glad that you prefaced Adam Green. Well, yeah, we're not talking about the other Frozen. Oh, shit, I watched the wrong one. Oh, man. Well, let's listen to the trailer. Last run, gotta make it count. So we got Frozen from Adam Green. Here's a, a little description. At Mount Holliston, snowboarders... Wink, wink. I know. There's a lot of winking in this serious film, which I kind of yeah. think is neat. But snowboarders Dan Walker and his girlfriend Parker O'Neill and his best friend Joe Lynch mm. don't have enough money to buy <laughs> lift tickets. Uh, Parker bribes Jason, a lift worker, with $100. When the system is nearing closure, they force Jason to let them have one last pass, ski down the hill. However, Jason needs to resolve a problem, and his colleague misunderstands his instructions and stops the lift. The trio of skiers and snowboarders get stranded on the chairlift near the top of the mountain. When they see that the lights of the ski resort had been turned off, they need to make a choice, leave the chairlift or freeze to death. Yeah. This came out in 2010. Written and directed by Adam Green. I love it. I love this movie. Yes. Getting to watch it again for this episode was yeah. a treat. It was. I liked it even more, I think. I think I was a little more harsh on it the first 
I think I think we all were. I mean, well, you and me specifically. Uh-huh. You know, this was a first viewing for me. Exciting. Oh, interesting. And I it, here's the here's the weird thing. Coincidentally, I had actually bought like a used DVD, like maybe a week before you said we were going to watch this, and uh, I just was like, I, I I've always I've always kind of slept on it, and I just really wanted to see it. But the one thing that I was really asking myself as I was watching this, I was just like, it's Sean Ashmore, right? Why doesn't yeah. I? Why why would this affect Iceman? You know, why doesn't he just like, <laughs> he slide his ass right down off yeah, of there? Yeah, slide his ass right down. I mean, he could have been out out of there in like ten seconds. Oh. Maybe this is how he got his powers. Yeah, maybe. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't want to say a spoiler. <laughs> Yeah, because I think, like, when you and I first saw this movie, we may have been a little of, like, the wolf stuff being maybe a bit over the top. and I felt like I was harsh on the realisticness of what it's like to be in the cold. Yeah. With, oh, maybe I'll have a glove or not glove. Yeah, the glove, or thing, face or the, the glove thing was annoying the first time watching but it. I didn't, cause, like, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. This time yeah. it's great. And then... I mean, maybe even to back up a little, I don't know how much you talked about it or I wasn't listening at all when you introduced this episode, but this one's all about one location, right? This yep. is, mm-hmm. And that's what is freaking great about all these movies. The movie, essentially, once they get up on the ski lift, it's, it's a movie about three people in a chair. In a chair. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, my gosh. And it's... And it's so... Tense and riveting. It is. Like you're on, no pun intended, but you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. Thinking about the movie yeah. makes me more cold right now as I sit here. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have watched <laughs> it for this episode. Is there, is there a movie where people get trapped on a warm beach? Yeah. I, I, I do have a, uh, issue with, with one of the things in this movie. Like her hand is like, uh, frozen you know to the handle of yeah what a scene it's so cool because it like pans over slowly from him to her and you're like oh they're waking up it's a beautiful morning and then pans down to the hand you're like oh fuck what did she do here's my issue she's a smoker right right she could have melted the fucking ice she still had a lighter instead of trying to rip her hand off (laughs) She could have. Yeah, see, yeah. And, that, and that's where I think we had a hard time with our first watch because we did a lot of like, but they could have, but the, but the, maybe if they'd, uh, but like. You had a hard time suspending your disbelief. On some things, but like, you know. But if you're this in that time situation. I, just, I just let it be what it was. Yeah. Are you going to always Fuck, think 100% no. rational? No, because like. First time the wolves show up, and he throws his fucking glasses, his uh, goggles, goggles down. I'm like, what are you doing, you idiot? Or he throws, I'm like, I'm all of it. You're just like, what? But maybe, it is, maybe yeah. it is real, more real, more because real. idiotic things happen. Now, rewatching it again, I also I watched know. the bonus features on the DVD, which is a lot of the making of, and... God damn! I mean, it's no wonder Adam Green doesn't have a ton of movies in his filmography because he puts himself through so much shit to make a movie. Like the they Hatchet really, movies are shot in like real ass nasty swamps. They and this really shot is, 
up in the air. Yeah, they shot this whole movie on a, a freaking chair and a ski lift, and just talking about how like they would have everything set up, and they would have to bring the actors in, and they would just kind of have to inch it ever so forward because if they went forward just a little too far. Then they had to travel the lift all the way to the top of the mountain and all the way back down around again um, to set up the shot. Right. You know, like a <laughs> lot of shit that. like that. And then a lot of shit of like obviously fighting the elements. Like uh. opening nights it snowed and like ice rained and all that shit. And, and then you're talking like just lighting the thing. Oh. Think about that. Oh, I know. You know, you're talking, you, you got these giant nowhere. light rigs. Yep. And they have to get them out in the, into the snow on these tractor things that are like how many tons? And these things are just sinking into the snow as they're trying to travel. Like they talk about how they have them on these like uh, like track things, track things, uh-huh. which you know, and and they would start to sink. So they'd have they get so many feet, then they'd have to stop. Everybody would have to come dig out the tracks. You know, with snow shovels, so then it can go a few more feet before it starts sinking again. And I'm just like, man, fuck that. <laughs> While being cold. I'm rewriting this movie. Yeah, and I thought about it this time. Like, the lighting was great up there at night. And, and that's the thing. The whole movie's beautiful. Yeah. Beautifully shot. It is. It really yeah. is. For what it is. Knowing it's a low-budget fucking... Yeah, it's low budget. <laughs> they have everything going against them. Uh-huh. Like nothing outside and nothing could oh, go right in right. that environment. But really? it's lit well. It's shot very well. Yeah, I'm starting to get I, nervous. I haven't I, heard from Tad. It makes me nervous. I, no, I'm trying to remember if this was the first Adam Green movie. It might have been Hatchet. I think it might have been the first Hatchet, and then I saw this, and I never question really questioned much in this one. The first time I saw it. Uh, I watched it with Nikki, and we were both sort of freaking out watching it, because it's like a lot like you were saying with Uncut Gems, where shit just keeps getting worse and worse for them, and you just think, when he when he jumps off the uh, lift and lands and breaks both of his legs, it's like, Yeesh. oh, that sucks, and then the fucking wolf shows up, and it's like, oh, fuck, like, how does this, how does this get worse? Oh, now there's a goddamn wolf, and it's almost, um, I know it's horrible, but it's almost like, well, I maybe being mauled by wolves is better than freezing with two broken legs i don't know it might have been quicker right i don't know that 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 scene where go ahead i'm sorry well i was just gonna comment you know when you mentioned the wolves i think one of the most pivotal scenes is when you know he's like he's got his hands over his face and then he just comes face you know, he's uh-huh. like, he's, he's freaking out, you know, and then he takes his hands away from his face and he comes face to face with that wolf. And I'm just like, holy shit. I mean, it's just like, oh God, I was like, gave me, gave me the creeps, man. Mm-hmm. This guy's Kevin Zegers that, that plays that guy, the uh, yeah. dude is eating my, I cannot like look at him and not see Zac Efron. Like the first time I was like, no, <laughs> he has to be related, right? And it's weird because when you go to like his IMDb page, he's almost unrecognizable. Like in other stuff, it just doesn't look like the same guy. With he can transform pretty easily in different uh, haircuts and different things. But huh. I really think he's pretty good. Like I liked his yeah. character. I mean, I like all that. Yeah. The uh, you know all three of the actors. I mean, there is like the ski lift guy and then Kane Hodder. You know, as a little cameo in there, and we get some. You know, the douchebag that threatens to beat him up. 
because uh, you know he helped trying to help his girlfriend learn to ski. But it's it's you know in one it's it's funny because you say one location and like I was just watching before we recorded. Um, I always throw on Shutter, you know, another shameless plug, um, and they were showing some of that Eli Ross history of horror, and they were talking about the reason. You know, they, how they made Saw was because they had, you know, almost no budget. They threw two actors in a room, and, you know, that's a simple and cheap way to make a movie. But that's not at all the case for something like this, like just what you guys were saying, all the complications of just the shoot, but also the writing of the characters like this, you know, putting um, a couple with like a third wheel, basically, and having them sort of fight. I feel like, you know, we can all relate at times where it's like, you i'm not saying like in exactly like that but it's like we all have friends that sometimes don't always get along with our significant other at times and they bicker Mm. back and forth and you're stuck in the middle and you can in a situation like this i always put myself in that situation like what what would i do who would be the one to jump like who would be the i mean what the fuck do you do i mean the part where he's like he climbs up to the wire and he's trying to get to the next you know pole so he can climb down it's like Best case scenario, he makes it over there, climbs down, and he's attacked by wolves. There's just nothing you can do. What do you do? You know, it's one of those situations that, and and to me, it was pretty believable overall. I mean, you can nitpick little things, like you said, the lighter and different things, but none of those things would have saved them necessarily, you know? Yeah, right. yeah I mean, it just would have made, you know, they, they had other stuff at their disposal that I think they probably could use but, but i think uh, if they use the lighter her hand was already frostbitten and stuck to that thing even if you melt it her skin would be gone like it was had a, it's been exposed all night you know mm-hmm. yeah for me it's the the first time he jumps and just that shot seems to take like 20 oh. minutes of him to get and then you know it's going to happen and it really sells the impact and oh my gosh yeah i'm telling you this <laughs> that moment that scene that shot uh, especially the kind of his pov where you just see the legs and coming come, to, coming into the ground um i'm giving adam green the award of best high fall ever in a film because that is like that's it. like the best shot ever that's such a cool shot and it's and you freaking feel it you feel that oh uh, man an impact. Even though, like, it, I don't know, if you were to jump from that high up and try to like land on your back, do you think that'd be even worse? Like, <laughs> that's what Tina says. She's like, "Why did he do that?" Anything, I mean, anything but tuck and roll, yeah. tuck and roll. Any, exactly, anything but just trying to land on your feet. Like, I, I would have like maybe put like this the uh, the snowboard on my on my chest and maybe like try to dive dive forward and let maybe the impact you know could you know that might have broke your sternum or something i don't know could you imagine though if some if you didn't hit it quite right in your face face mm-hmm. first oh, into that freaking plant. snow from that fall yeah uh-huh. really. that's just it you you don't know how it's gonna go yeah you're and you don't already you don't really frozen. know what's underneath that snow either yeah. you know right. how deep it is jag- and yeah jagged rocks or true yeah yeah, and yeah, I guess I would have tried to use the snowboard to protect me then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, oh. yeah. 
But yeah, like Ted was saying, like the all the actors are really good, and you have to be. You'd have to cast this with some really strong actors because it's it's they it's three people carrying a movie of you know three people stuck uh, you know in a chair. And as always, as always in these situations, I think in these movies, um, it and, and it might be a trope, but they they begin to they begin to bicker and point fingers, which you know doesn't help the situation at all. But I mean, it's just, yeah. people are freaking out, you know. Yeah. It, and it doesn't matter what the situation is; it's just the this you know the situation itself. It's just like, well, you should have done this. Why did you do that? And Blah, blah, blah. Um, I remember just a funny little thing I always think about when I see this movie. Um, Several years ago, I visited my brother in Minneapolis, and I went to Electric Fetus um, Records, which is the record store that's infamous for being Prince's go-to place. He would basically call them and tell them he wanted to come record shopping, and they would shut it down, and Prince would spend an hour browsing through records buy stuff and leave but uh he always would he they would always sell exclusive stuff through he, he would record exclusive uh albums different things and just sell them there because he was uh very much a uh proud of his hometown and that kind of mm. stuff but um anyways one time i went there just when i was visiting my brother just because we wanted to say we went there and they had a used movie section and they had frozen there and they had like a big post-it note that said um, note, not that frozen or something. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I took a picture of it and tweeted it. And, you know, of course, Adam Green replied cause he's, he's always doing that. And he's like, uh, thanks for the picture. Like, that's so awesome. And, you know, I just always think of that cause it was, it was something it had more than just like, uh, more than just, you know, not that frozen, but that was the, the gist of the note. It was something more clever and funny, but, um, yeah, it's, I remember when this came out, and then the uh, Disney Frozen came out, and people were sort of making jokes about, you know, accidentally renting this one and showing it to your kids, that kind of thing, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it couldn't be more perfect for the weather right now, so. Yeah, I know, oh, yeah. yeah. So true. It's too perfect. Oh, somebody just needs to give Adam Green some money. Makes he needs to make more movies. Yeah, this has a nice blend of um, mainstream and classic Adam Green dialogue. That's great and yeah. funny and witty and yeah, yeah. Good movie, definitely. All right, Andy, what's the next film we're talking about tonight? Our next film is from 2010, and it is called Devil. Hey, lady, you got a son in. Do I look like such a threat? Don't blame me. You got procedures. Sorry. Thanks for your help. Don't mention it.
This is not good. Why is elevator six in inspection mode? Oh, come on, man. Oh. What's happening? Nothing. Just relax. What was that? Oh my God. No, no. You all right? You're bleeding. Oh my God. It, it feels like something bit me. Does anybody have anything sharp on them? They might have cut her. No. You mind if we search your pockets? Yes, I do mind. You mind if we search yours? What was that? Something's jamming it. It's stuck. Near me, any of you. Back away from each other now. Ah. Basically, the premise is um, it's set in Philadelphia, and Detective Bowden, played by Chris Messina, he grieves for his wife and son who were just uh, killed in a hit and run five years ago. And after a guy pretty much swan dives off a building, he in- he he investigates. It's brought to his attention that five strangers are trapped in an elevator and annoying one another, just like they would do in any situation like that. That uh, they're they're trapped in an elevator in the same building. Uh, two guards by the name of Lustig and Ramirez uh, are watching them uh, via cameras that are sold in the elevator. Uh, the uh, the detective, uh, what was his name? Uh, I don't think it says his first name. Uh, detective Bowden, you know, he assumes the situation. And after the lights go out in the elevator and one of the occupants is found dead, uh, after the lights uh, come back on. And this gradually keeps happening throughout the movie. And uh, during the course of this time, uh, Ramirez is very, you know, uh, suspectful. He thinks that one of them in there is the devil due to a childhood story that his mother used to tell him. And which, which of course, being a detective uh, and basically having lost his faith in anything after, you know, losing his wife and kid to such a, you know, a horrible accident, he just doesn't believe it at all. But as the movie progresses, he begins to think that a lot of supernatural stuff is going on because it can't be explained you know because how how does somebody die with you know not having a mark on them you know and then just the lights go out and then um this movie was rated pg-13 and i don't think that it was uh purposely set out to be pg-13 but the way that was made and the way that the story's told i just think it ended up being pg-13 because the lights are the lights are going off you know because you you this movie is you know meant to make you guess as to who the devil is in the uh in the elevator um so that pretty much you know stops any kind of you know violence 
at all that you would see any kind of gore, you know, because the lights are going out and then the person ends up dead, whether they're either hung or stabbed and all this and that. And even um, some of the people that aren't in the elevator are dying because they're trying to get the elevator moving again as well. Uh, But uh, as usual, a lot of these people, uh, all, all the people in the elevator have a shady past, which, you know, coincides with uh, Ramirez's story about, you know, he picks the people who are, you know, truly guilty and probably need to be, you know, damned, so to speak. Um, to me, this kind of, you know, it's it's got echoes of, uh, and even all three of these movies, for that matter, it kind of echoes... Uh, something that Rod Sterling would have wrote in, you know, for the Twilight Zone. A very simple premise, but like yeah. just a very, yeah, a very, very uh, horrible uh, situation. Uh, if they were tamer, I mean, these, these could be, you know, you know, the scripts could be dwindled down and they could have been, you know, Twilight Zone episodes very easily, particularly this one, I think. Um, yeah. What, what did you guys uh, think of this movie? This was a first time watch for me. Me too. Me as well. Uh, and I, I, it's one of those ones that's been on the radar forever. Yep. I knew that um, Shyamalan, that was sort of the uh, thing that it was known for because his name, he's a producer and a co writer. And uh, I don't, I, I wasn't sure what to think of it because it was sort of in, I, I believe it was sort of in that, made in that time when he was in a drought a bit at the sort of, bad part of his career i guess you would say but um i'm sort of glad i didn't see it then because i probably would have been a little more cynical but i enjoyed it i enjoyed it like yeah i enjoyed the simplicity of it um some of it was pretty corny and it's a little um i don't know how to a little dated at times even though it's not that old it feels a little older than it is but it's enjoyable it felt sort of like a final destination type movie in a way it had that vibe to it for me Mm. Um, but I thought the actors were were good enough, and I thought it's always intriguing to sort of, you know, I I've, I can't even remember the last time I saw a trailer or anything. I didn't really ever hear much about it in general. I didn't know many people who went and saw it, so I don't know how it did at the box office either, but um, I enjoyed it. Box office, cumulative worldwide, $62 million. Budget was ten, so it Ooh, did all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd say did all right. <clears throat> you guys are quiet on it. What do you think? Uh, it was the first time for me as well. I'm basically the same as you there, Tad. Uh, I I really liked it a lot. I I passed on it a lot. Um, I don't know if it was if it was the ad campaign or. It helped it or hurt it. I'm not. I can't. I just. I, my memory on it sucks. I don't know why I passed on it for so long. Because obviously I'm probably the world's largest M Night fan. One of the last living M Night fans, and uh, or maybe I was just nervous. I don't know. Yeah, it's like Tad said. It was out during the yeah. height of the M Night hatred, but. One of the, th- but I loved it. Well, yeah, I loved it because it was basically unknown actors, really, and it was 
The one location was great, but the and everything in the elevator, I loved it. it was awesome. But what I didn't expect is uh, I thought the writing with the detective guy and how it tied into everything mm-hmm. was really fucking smart. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, so it really tied the room together real well, real well for <laughs> me. So I enjoyed the hell out of it, and it was a great. Who the who the fuck is it? Yeah. So yeah. it was good. Oh, it's really I, good. The the one thing that I wish had a little bit more of a payoff is because you know uh, Bokeem Woodbine's character Ben. Uh, he said he's never seen anybody die before, and then towards the end, he, he uh, uh, that I believe Tony the mechanic is trying to close uh, uh, Jane's eyes. I believe. And uh, he says it doesn't work, not at least the, not until they're at least uh, they're dead for a few hours, you know. So mm, yeah, that that basically makes him guilty. You know, he says he's seen people, you know, dead before, but they never they never went any further than that. You know, I mean, they didn't. You know, the detective didn't dig up any dirt on him because I mean, he was constantly trying to figure out who these hell these people are. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess I just wish that would have been, you know, I guess I wish that would have paid off a little bit more. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't kill, it doesn't kill the movie for me. I mean, I I still, I still really like the movie, but, um, but I was just like, okay, why, why set that up if you're not going to do something with it? Just red herrings, misleading stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I too really like this movie a lot and I, like the rest of you, I had seen it before. I had bought this when it first came out on, on oh. DVD because I'm a bigger M. Night Shyamalan fan than Jason. Whatever. Um, I saw he produced it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it goes right into my like wheelhouse. Um, was it... Was it a bonus episode? No, it was in the 200 episode. We talked about favorite subgenre. Uh-huh. I think I might would want to change my answer to move, move if if you could consider it a subgenre of movies that take place um, with minimal cast in a single location. Because if you can stick people, the smaller the location, like a freaking elevator, can't get much smaller than this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can challenge that. It, it almost potty. It almost made it on the list, but I almost put uh, Buried on there with Ryan Reynolds. Oh. oh, man. One man, one box. One man, one box. Can't get any... That, that one you can't get That's any smaller it. than that. Um, Girls, yeah. one cup. No. No, no. <laughs> um, oh, my bad. Sorry. But uh, I love movies like that. Movies movies that... You do. It, especially because my I always consider it a challenge. If you come to me with a movie that's a, that you know your movie and you say, "Hey, it's it's you know a small group of people in a small location, and I'm going to entertain you for an hour and a half," I'm like, "Oh, challenge accepted. Let's see if you could pull this off," because you would think something like that would be difficult to do, but uh, so when it when it succeeds like that, I freaking love it and I'm impressed and, and amazed. And this one, this one. Um, it's right in there with it, and I could totally agree with Andy. Like this is totally a Twilight Zone episode. I think there was some a Twilight Zone episode like it, like something well, like a group of people trapped in a diner or something, and one of them was an alien or something. 
Well, trying to figure out who is, who uh, it was or whatever. Five, five strangers in search of an exit where, uh, it's these, uh, five people that are in this, uh, centrifugal, uh, room. And it's, it's, it's like a cylinder that, and they can see up to the top of the sky. And one of them's like an army Lieutenant. One of them's a bagpipe player. One of them's a clown and one of them's a ballerina. Mm-hmm. And, um, Basically, they kind of do, like, they tie their clothes together and make, like, a grappling hook, you know, so, like, the lieutenant can get up there. And he gets in, and he falls over the edge, and you cut to the city street where this little girl is uh, is walking with her mom, and she picks up this uh, this army doll. And and the mom says, put that back in the bin for, you know, for, like, the for the children. And basically, it was discarded toys for uh you know like salvation army and it was the story of these toys you know portrayed as real people trying to get out and you know that's base that's the story toy story okay. was born nice yeah stolen um like yeah it's a pretty good you know who who is the devil kind of thing you know who is the one even if even if you don't expect it to take the full supernatural route with the devil it's still a good like you know who's killing everybody in this elevator who's you know um it's a great who done it i think they did a great job with it and then when you find out who it is you know you could maybe you could maybe consider it a cheat because i I do kind of because spoilers but that particular character is supposed to be dead at one point is one of the people that get killed um and it turns out that they weren't really dead it's they were the one actually doing everything so you can maybe consider that cheat but i don't care because it's not to me the movie's not about that flip it's about the big flip at the end where you find out the one survivor of the elevator and his relationship to the detective yeah and that whole moment right there at the very end when when um uh-huh. When they're and in the car really together. together. Yeah. Well, you know, and one one could argue that it's that it's uh the the execution of the the cheat, let's say, for instance. Um I think it's all in the execution and how it's done because like when you watch like the ending of Saw and you see Jigsaw get up off the floor, you're just I, I love that. When I first saw that, I thought I was going to shit my pants. I thought it was the greatest oh, thing ever. Me too. I stood up when I was in the you theater, know. and I'm like, I stood. I'm like, no way, no my, way. My, my jaw hit the floor, you yeah. know. So I mean, you, it's it's. I think it's all in the execution, you know, the the way that it's done. I mean, and that, to me, that was perfect. And I don't care if you figure it out or you don't figure it out. If you or surprised by it, or you, oh, I knew it all the time. doesn't matter. Like, in my opinion, if I figured it out ahead of time, I'm even more impressed if that's how it turns out. Because, you know, a lot of my reasons why I like a movie or dislike a movie is based on how I think the story should go, right? I think that's for everybody. So, I, I hate those people that are like, oh, I totally, this movie sucks, I totally saw the ending coming. That should be a good thing. Because you're sitting there thinking, oh... I bet it's going to end this way. In your mind, it's like, I would, 
this is how I think the movie should end. If I was telling the story, this should have... Well, and it, it does it, so that should be your favorite movie of all time now. Shut up. I, <laughs> yeah, and then they're probably pissed because they couldn't predict it. Or it didn't turn out like the way they wanted it to. Tina and I had fun with it at the beginning of the movie. We're like, for fun, who's your pick? Who's your pick? Just because it was random. Yeah, sure. And she fucking, of course course she fucking picked him. And then that person dies, and she's like, oh, I guess I didn't win. (laughs) And then when they get back up, she stands. She's like, yeah, yeah, I win. And I'm like, you dork. Well, to me, it was kind of a, to me, to me. I th- I'm trying to remember the first time I watched it and if I predicted it too. Because I think I might have, only because, like... My pick was the girl. Because for me, girl. if you line so them all up, fun. it's like that old Sesame Street song, which one of these is not like the other? Oh, you know? such a so bitch, that old lady. The, the, okay, well, you just said it. So Sorry. <laughs> that's fine. We always say spoilers. Um, when The fact that it's the old lady, to me, seemed more obvious because it was... You know what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say, like, like they were trying five to five different people. I don't think that she stood out any more than the others did. To me, I guess uh, because the other ones are other ones are would be more stereotypical of fitting that you would never ex- you wouldn't ever expect. It's a reverse psychology. You would never expect the little old lady be to be the one. So like, so she's got to be the one. Yeah, uh, a, a little off subject here. Uh, since Tad saw Zac Efron in Frozen, <laughs> did anybody see Tom Hardy in this elevator with uh, the the guy who played Tony? <laughs> I thought he looked a little bit like Tom Hardy. I thought that that I also thought of, but I, it's uh, that the detective and that guy both sort of look like uh, John Berthall from The Walking oh, Dead. Also. Yes, yeah. Logan I... Marshall, Logan Marshall Green is the guy. Is that the real actor that's in Devil that you're talking about? Mm. Totally. Well, good. I'm glad you guys all liked it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad it yeah, was good. I, I thought it was a good time. I, I, I generally like those kinds, kind of stories. Yeah. Okay, so, Tad, what's, the, uh, what's our last movie tonight? The last movie is from 2016. It is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Not what I was expecting. Can I see one? No, no. What's that for? Make sure he's dead. Sheriff, what happened? No ID, no fingerprints in the system. For now, she's a Jane Doe. He needs my help right now. 11 o'clock, I'm all yours. Subject is in her mid to late 20s. Hair brown. Black warning now. Eyes gray. What happened to you? First, they bound her. Then they ripped out her tongue, poisoned her, paralyzed her, forced her to swallow the cloth. What is that? 
Dad? No one could see what we have seen. Uh, this one is another obviously one location movie where a father and son who work as his dad the dad is a coroner and his uh, son is sort of an assistant but he's also coroner um, they are I'll just read the tagline or the uh, synopsis are pulled into a complex mystery while attempting to identify the body of a young woman who was apparently harboring dark secrets so basically these two coroners are working late night um looks like their night's about over and then they the uh, police bring in a body of a young woman that they found at a crime scene they don't have an identity they don't know what happened to her but the police want a cause of death by the next morning so they have something to give to the media and the more they dig into this corpse figuratively and um, figuratively and literally the more weird shit keeps happening they notice that uh, her body is in almost perfect condition but as they cut into her they find that part of her tongue is missing and she's missing a tooth and then when they start cutting into her they find the tooth inside wrapped in a uh, cloth that has some ancient writing on it and then they see that her lungs have are, are completely black as if her body had been burnt, but her skin is perfectly fine. And then, you know, there's um, tattoos on the inside of her skin. And all this stuff is uh, doesn't make any sense. And as the night gets, it gets later and later, and they dig more into it and, and try to find more, weird things start happening. At their, uh, I w- what do you, it's not a funeral home. What would you even call that? Uh, coroner's office? I don't know. But um, yeah, mortuary. mortuary, the mortuary, yeah. yeah. Things, you know, they they start the son, the younger uh, kid, starts seeing things in the hallway. Um, Emil Hirsch, who I absolutely love, I think he's a great actor, and uh, Brian Cox. Yeah, and, Brian Cox. I yeah. like. I'll watch anything with him in it, man. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's basically these two. There's also you know then the corpse and then uh, Emil Hirsch's uh, girlfriend is the other sort of main character even though she's only in a couple scenes but um like i said as as they dig more into this body and find more find more stuff instead of answering questions they get more and more questions and then uh weird things start happening their cat gets hurt and then um they they're seeing stuff in the hallways and it comes to a point where they're freaking out and they decide that they are just going to burn the damn body and even that doesn't work it just backfires on them there's no way out a tree a tree falls in the way of getting out the elevator breaks down the power's flickering in and out um it, things go from bad to worse real quick and uh, i won't spoil the ending even though i'm sure we'll get to that point um it's it's definitely a creepy one it definitely you know i'm not really it didn't necessarily scare me, but it definitely had me on uh, high alert throughout the movie. This is so well done, 
and uh, yeah, dark and creepy and a great mystery. Really cool, strong performances from the two two main actors. Um, I had never seen this one. What do you guys think? Oh man, I don't know if I want to go first because I feel like I've got a billion and one things to say. Um, I was telling Jason before we started recording is like I, um, if I would have seen this when it came out in 2016, it would have easily been in my top five of that year without even going back and looking to what my top five was of that year. This would have been on there because it. It gave me everything I would want. This you movie's know? fucking awesome. It's a great isolation movie. Again, two actors and a dead body and a morgue. And that's it. That's all you really get for the most part. Um, great cast. I, 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 too, can watch Brian Cox in anything. And I love the relationship between... I mean, it's a, yep. it's a really good relationship between the father and son. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you get a movie like this and there's like... Bad blood between the father and son, and you know, and they got, but no, just right off the bat, they just he loves his dad and he loves his son. It's a good, healthy father son relationship. He tries which, teaching them things, he tries learning, but yeah, you know, and which which makes it all the more heartbreaking when you get to the end of the picture. Um, but it is so atmospheric, it's like I really feel like this movie was made. Like the the people who wrote or whoever directed it, whoever wanted to make this movie, does wanted to make something really atmospheric, and it's like no one has made a movie that just takes place in the morgue before. You know, we're, we're like tap. This movie is really trying to tap into fears that I feel like haven't truly been explored on the on the surface level. You know, like the location of the morgue, the literal dead body right in front of them through the whole movie just laying there she creeped me the fuck out and she didn't move in the whole freaking movie there was a point you where i couldn't look at the, what's that you think she might and you're waiting you're waiting the whole time right never, you're waiting knows. the whole time um uh i reached a point in the movie where i had to look away from the tv because i could not stand to look at her wide-eyed and that mouth open uh-huh. i'm like shut her fucking mouth and close her fucking <laughs> eyes already. It was creeping me the shit out. It was awesome. Um, something as simple as a bell paid oh off my so well. Oh, the God. bell thing. Yes. It, Brilliant. it paid off so damn good. Every time. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they set it up in the beginning, the first act, oh. um, where it's like, it's an old thing where they, you know, they, you know, uh, sometimes they wouldn't actually be dead, so they put bells on the corpses, and when they stored them away, if the bells go off, you know, it's like, oh, they're not really dead, and they'd go, and and Brian Cox still puts bells on the corpses as tradition. He's old school. He's old school. Yeah, he's old school. And then a part in the movie where you start hearing bells go off, and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh. And it's and all the just is, the audio. And the thing is, it's used as a joke at first. Yeah. And it pays off that way. Yeah. But later on it pays off in a completely different way. It just it's it's great. And the and it's also it's a it's a smart guy movie. Like I love the procedural stuff. The the actual I'm hoping it's it's 100% accurate. I really do. But the autopsy stuff, it was very intriguing watching them do the autopsy and figuring things out That's... even though they couldn't figure it out. But things like 
You see these scars on the inside of the organs here? These are stab marks, but yet there's no stab marks on the outside of the body. Or, you know, the thing with, uh, the, with the burnt lungs. And how if, if the, the lungs are this charred, the whole body should be, you know, loved all that stuff. And then there's the yeah. gore side of me that's like, deliver, it delivers the goods on that too, because it's gross. That's pretty gross. They tear her apart, and it's... It, oh, yeah. It's gross. So the practical effects in this film are really, really, really good. Too good. Too good. Um, I couldn't figure it out. When they fillet her open and they show you that, basically that uh, the tattoo that's inside of her skin uh it's yeah oh my god it just and like you said about all the um the forensic mortuary stuff that just invested me like even more i mean i was just like it was i mean it and it didn't come across as like uh like a preachy seminar uh it just said you know it just it made me it made you as a viewer at least it it did for me it, it made me become more invested in the story. I was just like, okay, man, shit, man, what the fuck is going on? I know. This, none, none of this makes any sense. You're just so intrigued yeah. on what is. And yeah. then, because I had I had a little bit of moment there, and about halfway through the movie, when things start really going off the wall, off the, you know, off the walls, and I'm like, this is just a goddamn ghost movie. You know, it's just another goddamn ghost movie. But when they reveal. What actually is happening with this girl and what she is and what she represents and everything, I'm like, oh, that's actually genius writing. I freaking loved it. I love the whole, and I think we've talked about this in some other films too, the idea of, well, shit, I don't know if I want to spoil it yet. The rest of you guys need to talk. Well, I'll come back to it. But but even that moment, I loved, like, this movie, this movie's just great. I was going to say, yeah, that's the thing that I absolutely love about this movie is that the first half of the movie is 100% based in reality. There's no reason to think there's anything else going on. And so you spend that first half of the movie in just a regular procedural thing. So like Andy says, you're invested in trying to figure out what is wrong with this girl. And... And that's and then the unraveling of that, and then that leads to this, and then more questions and more. Que- that's what's so cool about it. It's just that it's so much. Real, it really starts real for most of the movie, and and then where it goes, yes. I, it. Oh, yep. I'm done. Tad. Oh, what? No. Well, one more thing no. I want to add to my list of of <laughs> tropes that I like. I like I like it when a movie can take like some old timey song that's not oh, creepy and makes it that. creepy. Oh yeah. Anyway, that can't be a real song. It's of course too that's perfect. a real song. The one with the always talking about the devil. Yeah. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, I know that song. Oh, okay. this, uh, I don't know if that recording is like a. Oh. It is like a. It seemed a little too fucking. But perfect. the song, the song's a real song. <coughs> okay. Yeah, Ted. I, I, I mean, I was the one that introduced it. I, I don't know. I, oh, I, oh yeah. Oh. I'm just sorry. I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it's dark and creepy as hell. Um, atmospheric. I love everything about it. it I, I guess my only thing was that I, my interest faded a little bit when things started getting a little more supernatural. But, um, right away, it had me hooked when they brought the body in and, like, slowly 
finding things about it and the lungs and all that. And uh, I think maybe towards the end, but then, you know, like when the other corpses were sort of, you know, would just show up missing, that kind of stuff. It's just so cool. And I, of course, I love atmosphere over just about anything uh, in a horror movie. So uh, this one was right up my alley. I, I somehow had missed this, but it was one of those movies yeah. that uh, had been on every list that year and has been talked about a lot. It's been, it's been recommended by several people. You see it mentioned a lot in best of the, the uh, last 10 years. And uh, it earns that, you know, in, in sort of a cool open ending where the body goes on to the next place and you know it's, it's going to happen all over again you know this yeah. uh the i mean the when he makes the the y incision on her just like right in the Ugh. beginning like when he first opened i'm like holy and it's just like you're not supposed to bleed that much um just uh yeah, it's just like they sh- this this girl should just be look like she's gone through uh, a threshing machine. Um, but I I think uh, one of the hardest parts for me was uh, when when he had to break the cat's neck because I, I I'm kind oh, of a cat yeah. I, I'm a I'm a cat guy anyway so you know it's just like oh fuck. You know, I mean, I can handle a Y incision in a corpse, but I can't handle breaking a cat's neck, even if you're putting it out of its misery. I would, I would, that would be like the hardest thing in the world for me to do. Um, well, yeah, I mean, what, what, I mean, what, what, some of, some of the dialogue I really liked too. I mean, and it was just so plain and it was so, even, even if it was on the nose, I didn't care. It's just like, Emil Hirsch says, uh, I believe Austin is his name. Yeah, Austin, he says, we shouldn't be here. Or he says something like that. He's just like, we should leave. And then eventually, you know, uh, when when everything get, goes haywire and Tommy says, let's get the fuck out of here. I, that, that was probably <laughs> like, that's probably like the funniest part of the whole movie. It's just like the way the way Brian Cox says it, it's like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Yeah, because his son keeps trying to convince him, and he's sort of like, oh, you know, this stuff's not related. And then there's a point, yeah, where he's just like, yep, uh, this is too much for me. We got to go. Yeah, he keeps brushing him off and brushing him off, and then one and then a, one major thing happens, and he, like he's like instantly convinced. He's just like, we're fucking gone, dude. Let's go. Wait. I, that's all I got, guys. I mean, I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, I the, all three of these movies were were very very good. Um, you, you still haven't made up for Clowncher, guys. I'll never forgive you. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, uh, this is this was a stellar lineup. Uh, no complaints at all. I I want to buy that freaking Jane Doe one if they've got like a Blu-ray or yeah. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm not sure who put it out, if there's like a special edition or anything, but mm. it'd be interesting to see how they did some of the practical effects. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I didn't bother looking, and I guess I probably could, because I think I have the IMDb page pulled up, but I assume the, yeah, the corpse is played by Ol- Olwen Catherine Kelly. I'm trying to see what uh, she's known for. Yeah, Obviously I- known for this. And uh, some other stuff. She's only been in seven movies. And 
I don't. It doesn't look like she's played a, a corpse in anything else, but she played <laughs> girl in the short skirt in Why Life Sucks When You're in Your Twenties. So she hasn't been in a whole lot, but um, you know, not like her performance was mind blowing because she was just a corpse. But um, she played a good pull, one. Yeah, when they pull in and they, you know, then they bring her in the first time and she has those dead eyes. Definitely Ooh. creepy. I think the the biggest foreshadowing line in the movie for me is when uh, Brian Cox's character says, "Everybody has a secret. Some people are just better at hiding them than others." And I, I mean, shit, that's basically the premise of the whole movie. I mean, it's like they're you know, and they're they're stuck there until they find out you know what what's the deal with this girl and. Uh, yeah, I was I was sort of thinking it was going to go more of a true crime route where like maybe mm. like uh, a Hannibal type thing, you know, where he was putting the the uh, moths in them and it's like, okay, you know, we have the tooth in the stomach, but most of that stuff would just be too it was just right off the bat too crazy to explain in any logical it's, way, so there'd be no way to do that, you know. It's like insanely meticulous, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, I'm, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it had like forensic files kind of stuff to it, but it just didn't go full tilt forensic files, you know? Yeah. Definitely, uh, uh, these are, and the thing is these, uh, when it, when it comes to these kind of pictures and I, I think what I really, really like about them is that they're standalone films. It's like you don't, you, you don't need a sequel to any of this. You know, these, these one, I mean, of course they did it with saw and, and, and stuff like cube and stuff like that. But, uh, well, I don't know how you get but, sequels out of these. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they're really, you know, I mean, I don't think they're necessary, you know, uh, how, how, how do I put it? Uh, <laughs> I, they're not, they're not, you know, even if uh, the fan base has a hunger for them, I mean, I can understand. You know, if you want to make another another slasher movie, I can understand that. But I think these these films are just fine the way they are. You know, I mean, I I don't want to see Duel Part Two. You know, <laughs> I you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. My first my first thought was, you know. Obviously, at the end of this movie, the corpse moves on, and, it, and you know they they have no idea when they find the father and son dead. They have no idea what happened, and the body still has to move on. Um, the whole place is sort of destroyed. Uh, it's like, oh, we'll go on to another place and have something else. But it's sort of wrapped up that story, and we sort of learn what happened, and you know, and she's yeah. sort of set set free after they're killed. The scene that that sort of confused me the first time watching or i guess not necessarily the first time watching this was my first time and my only time watching it but when i first saw it was sort of the uh when they they caught the body on or they they lit the body on fire right there in the room because i'm like obviously we didn't they didn't expect it to hit the ceiling and catch the whole room on fire but it's sort of like well that was very reckless i mean what (laughs) i i I was not that surprised to see the entire fucking room go up in flames because yeah you know, you lit a body on fire right in the middle of a room. Uh, but it's, it's crazy when, like, they go back and the body's 100% still intact. And right. 
you know, and then they, they find that the brain is actually still living. So, yeah. I find, I find it funny how the, the guy that was so quick to, you know, pour gasoline onto a corpse and, and, and light the match was the one talking about death by smoke inhalation like earlier in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> but he, I guess he was so desperate to end the situation, you know, f- fair enough. But I just, I was just like, oh, really? Mr. Smoke inhalation? Eh. Yeah, and it was, it was, you talked about the cat scene that sort of was one of the more, uh, one of the few scenes actually that sort of touches on their relationship because you don't, that sort of reveals, you know, it was a lot, he says, you know, I didn't really, the cat was a pain in the ass, but it was the last thing of yeah. your mother's that I still had. Yeah. And that was, you know, sad, not only because they had to kill a cat, but because of the, the uh, situation surrounding it. Yeah. And the cat was always bringing rats into the, like the morgue, not, not like the most sanitary place, but I mean, it's not like it's going to kill... Not like that rat's going to kill anybody. Right. Uh, <laughs> they're already dead. I don't remember. what Were they um, eating anything during the autopsy? Because this might be the first movie that's, that the uh, actor is not eating some gross food above the body. Yeah, that's... I that's can't remember. True. That's like a stereotype in every freaking yeah. horror, horror movie or, you know, when they're doing that. Yeah, all coroners have, like, cast iron stomachs, you know. It's just like, you know, nothing affects them. Yeah. I do I do like the fact that they were rocking out to, like, you know, uh, you know, rock and roll and heavy metal or whatever it was they were listening to. I was just like, eh, well, I mean, it's... I listen to a lot of music at my job. I mean, I, how should that... Why should that be any different, you know... From what they do, yeah, and uh, I felt obviously felt horrible for uh, the son when he had to kill his when he not didn't have to, but when he accidentally killed his girlfriend, which is sort of another trope that happens in horror movies. Is you know you think it's something you go to kill it, and you shot Ted Hollister, you know that kind of thing. But um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I just felt for it because you know he was supposed to go on a date with her, and then. He was, he's a good kid, so he was like, you know, I'm going to stay with my dad and do this. And, you know, it's like when you watch a movie, you're thinking, God damn, you just should have gone to the movie with your girlfriend, man. Oh, like, no. Yeah. Not that his dad would have died and he probably would have felt horrible that he wasn't there, but, uh, you know, still. Well, not. He probably would have came back anyway and got killed anyhow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She would have just killed him anyway. Yeah, because she wrapped up and, everything. Yeah, she yeah she probably would have and Emma probably would have came back with him in there looking for him and say goodbye and killed Emma too. I mean, just yeah, probably would have all nothing probably would have changed. Yeah, I was I kept waiting through the whole movie for her to come back and do a scare, you know, scare again, and she never did. And but man, Emile Hirsch though his reaction to it is like that. That's why he's so good. Like, I don't know. Like, it 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 felt like he really felt that it happened. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean that to he's a good actor. I mean, yeah, convincing. A, yeah, it was very convincing. He just better than most. It was crazy. It was sad as fuck. 
Yeah. And that was your guys' first time with this one, too? Yes, it was. Hmm. Yep. First I had heard for all three of them for me. Oh, I had or no, not, not Frozen, never mind. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, all these are first time watches, actually. Nice. Yeah, I saw this one a year or so ago. It's, and it's even better, even better this time, right? So gosh dang good. And just the, the whole the whole set, you know, I mean it looks like uh you know, and I think they commented it the characters commented it on it in the movie. It's just how you know how old that this uh this mortuary is, you know, and it's just uh it's got a different sort of uh architecture to it, like, you know, probably in the forties is you know, when this thing was built. And it's just, uh, you know, it's got that wainscoting and, and stuff like that in the basement below. And a very old rickety elevator with, you know, the, uh, uh, I guess the expanding door that you see through. <laughs> yep. for, you know, I mean, it's just, I guess that 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 classic, you know, antique look. I, I don't know, you know, the terminology, but you, I think you guys know what I'm getting at. Yep. You know, I guess that 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 in and of itself, you know, just that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw wood paneling down there. Yeah, the, the well, the age of the, <laughs> the age, the age of the building, you know, that kind of puts off a creepy vibe as well, I suppose. Yeah. All right, Mike's back. He had a point. He wanted to say some more things before we were done. We were all kind of done. <clears throat> um. Well, did you guys get into the ending? The mm. the explanation of it all. Not really, no. Not, we didn't no. really spoil it. Do we? Should we not? <laughs> Just to give you a heads up. Uh, don't listen for the next three minutes. Yeah, three minutes. Go. So basically, so basically, what it boils down to is that this woman was was beaten and tortured and for being a witch during Salem witch times. And Brian Cox talks about, you know, how. None of that was true. Like, there was no witches during that time. But, like, apparently she is a witch. And he he deduces that what if, like, the fact that they did all this to her, this ritual of curing her of being a witch or, you know, just killing the witch or whatever, turns her into what they were trying to prevent. And I think that's, I thought that was brilliant. I, I think that's a a really cool idea of the whole all the um the methods had a had a backfire effect and actually turned her into this supernatural um being and you know and how she actually is still alive according to when they you know cut off a piece of her brain <clears throat> and the only way to stop it is to transfer it on to, uh, you know, because she, she's she's purposely transferring all that torture onto somebody else, and that's the only way to stop it. But then again, it, you know, they transfer it all to Brian Cox, and does it really even stop it? Who knows? Anyway. Yeah. You just loved it. I just love that whole reversal of, you know, of the uh, the superstition, superstitions, and how that ends up backfiring. 
Totally. Totally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaking good movie. It's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it yet, it's so freaking good, guys. You got to see it. So good, yeah. All right, so those are our movies. Anybody got any honorable mentions they wanted to throw out there? Oh, Saw. That was the first one I always think of. Yeah. Same here. Cube. Cube's Cube. always one I think of. Right Cube's away. a huge one, yeah. I mentioned Buried earlier. It's a really good one. Which one? What? What did you say? Which one? Buried. Yeah, the oh, buried. extreme okay, yeah, of yeah. it. Extreme of the subgenre. I, I I mean, you you look at friggin' Reservoir Dogs, half that movie's in one location, but not one one location. Yeah. Yep, yeah. And that's why that's why still to this I think that's why still to this day Reservoir Dogs is still my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, Me too. Although Hateful Eight, you know, tries to reproduce that. That's true. A little bit. That's true. Um, with su- with success, I really like Hateful Eight as well. Um, you know, with that said, though, Hard Candy is a really good movie that takes what place if, in one pla- in one house. Would, would you say Green Room would that be considered? Because they are pretty much stuck in that room for most of the movie if not the room that compound you know it's yeah 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 evil dead yeah night of the living dead yeah, i was gonna say night of the living dead there misery. is a, there is a yeah misery yeah there's a movie one of these days is gonna show up on the list guys i'm warning you now it's a black and white film uh i think it's from the 60s uh called lady in a cage where it's a, it's this like super hot summer day. This this woman who can't get around very well, um, uh, so she has an elevator in her house, and she's riding in the elevator, and the power goes out, and um, it's like one of James Caan's first films, and he's like the head of this like gang that breaks into the house that you know is going to rob the house, but find out that she's still there, but she can't do anything because she's trapped in this elevator, so. It's a really cool flick. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna have to make you guys watch that one of these days. But not really, uh, not really horror, but uh, made by a horror director, Assault on Precinct 13. Yep, yeah. that's a good one. Uh, the Shining. They're stuck at the, the uh, hotel the entire time. Yep. Well, and you can even say if you want to talk Carpenter, you could say the thing. Yeah. 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 I would say underwater. I just saw, and it uh, definitely would count for that. Definitely. Yeah, we can go on and on and on. Absolutely. Isolation is apparently a key thing in horror. <laughs> All right. So, but I wonder what um, people out there in the listener verse has to say we'll find out (laughs) listener verse okay we'll find out here after this quick break you're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. 
We're back, and it's segments time here on Tacky Killer Podcast. And let's find out what y'all think here on Shoutouts. It's time for Shoutouts! Okay, we asked basically, you know, what uh, your favorite movies, horror movies set in one location. And on our Facebook page, we had Lance Readinger says, Alien has to be the pinnacle of one location horror films. There you go. Yeah. It's pretty good. You don't know what pinnacle means. That's cool. Uh, Don and Nellie, our pal, Horror Mafia, he says, Evil Dead. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Chopping Mall. Nice. Intruder. Oh, yeah. On a grocery store. Demons. In a movie theater. Movie theater. The Church. In a church. Yep. Spring to mind easily enough. Sorry it's not full of the out there picks. I usually mention that's true. He's always out there. But uh, although I could be the dick who says zombie ass, toilet of the dead for shits and giggles. What's oh shit? What's the name of the movie, the horror comedy? I think Joe Zerl should have sued over because it's about a janitor who fights zombies during the holiday season. What's the name of that movie? I, um, I, I, uh, but it all. But most of the movie takes place. <laughs> he's in a um in a bathroom stall. Nuts. I don't know, but uh, Killer Party comes to mind as well. Yeah. One location. Then we got our pal Scott Alden from the movie Defenders. He says, Devil is underrated. Yeah. Stuck in an elevator with the devil. Original idea. I just saw it again recently. Good pick. So did we. Elevators are the devil. That's right. (laughs) I don't even know what impression that was, but that's a good... That was um, uh, Mama um, from the Water Boy. Gotcha. Oh, okay, good one. <laughs> uh, James Cochran says original Dawn of the Dead, the Mall. That's right. All right, and then in our Facebook a group, we got uh, where'd he go? Andrew Moeller says Cube, Evil Dead. And Green Room. Oh, nice. He yeah. also believes it counts. And then Trevor McElhenney says... Am I saying that right, Ted? Is that close? Yeah, close. Okay. Evil Dead! Woo! All right. And then uh, nothing on Twitter, but over in the Instagram, we got Rugged Angel. That's right, Camila. We remember her a few episodes ago. Yeah. That was probably like 100. Hey. She says... Oh, maybe one of the biggest ones. Uh oh, the descent. Oh, how did we miss that mm, one? I know. Yeah, good one. Great pick, Camila. Hey, yeah. Fuck that movie. One. <laughs> yeah, for real. I get nervous just saying the name. Just say it. <laughs> <coughs> well, all right. So don't forget, you can also leave us a voicemail with your comment of what your favorite one location horror film is. You can give us a call at 415-952-6857. Um, the short, cool version of that is 415-95-AOTKP. And that's shout-outs. Oh, but wait, attackers, just wait. What? It's a new year, and it's... 
time to get it back going again. It's time for Insane's Picks. Feels like forever since there's been an Insane's Picks. At least, you know, since last year. Um, so I picked a doozy for this Insane's Pick. It's a little film from 1988 called Doom Asylum. Oh, man. Mm. Directed by Richard Friedman, who also directed Phantom of the Mall. Um, but not... You would think Doom Asylum was probably his first film. Not necessarily. He actually um, got to start directing episodes of Friday the 13th, the series, and Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yes, it's got a, it's got a, uh, quite the cast here. We got uh, Patty... We got Patty Mullen. Frankenhooker herself ooh, ooh, ooh. plays both wow. Judy and... And Kiki LaRue. Uh, there's William Hay, who plays Kiki's hunk of a boyfriend, Mike, who's chronically indecisive. There's Kenny Price as Dennis, the nerd who is obsessed with his baseball card collection. Harrison White as Darnell. And then Kristen Davis as June. Who's Kristen Davis? Well, she's probably the only person in this movie that actually had a career afterwards. She played Charlotte York from Sex and the City. And then there's the classic punk band Tina and the Tots. Oh! With Tina, Rapunzel, and Godiva. But of course, we cannot forget the greatest performance in this whole movie Michael Rogan as Mitch Hansen, the killer himself. Spoiler. It's not really a spoiler. Okay, I yeah, set that okay. up right at the beginning. <laughs> So, the movie starts with a car accident that kills Judy LaRue and horribly disfigures her lawyer, lawyer boyfriend, Mitch. My th- question is, did, was he disfigured from the car accident, or is he f- disfigured from the autopsy that follows? Because when you see him outside the car, he's just got a little bit of blood on him, and that's and he's fine. But when he is... On the slab, having the autopsy done on him, half of his face is missing, like muscle and skull is exposed. Yeah. Um, So they take his body. They think he's dead. They take him to do an autopsy at this asylum. But he comes back to life and kills everybody. Years later, Judy, the daughter of Kiki, both played by Patty Mullen, uh, and her friends go for a picnic on the grounds of the now abandoned asylum and are killed off one by one by Mitch, who uses tools from his medical bag. Shot at an actual asylum, and you know that the producers of the movie were proud to get this location because there are scene after scene after scene of people walking through the halls of this asylum. Uh, there's some pretty cool kills. I'm a, t- I'm a total sucker for cheap-ass gore effects, especially when they're over-the-top gore effects. Um, so effects that necessarily doesn't look real, but they go way over the top on the gore, and this movie's got a lot of that. Although there is one effect in this movie where a guy gets a drill to his head that looks really, really good. I was really impressed with it. wasn't even sure exactly how they did it. Um, but you get stuff like um, an acid face melt, a uh, handsaw to the face, 
Um, even a, a person gets put through some kind of meat processing machine and comes out as a giant cube of human flesh and meat. Um, it's a uh, it's a it's a messed up movie. It's it's really bizarre, but it's a lot of fun. Um, it's the case where the killer is maybe shown too much. You know, a lot of times they say, you know, less is more when it comes to seeing your monster or your killer. And that should have been the case maybe with this movie. Um, I appreciate what they were trying to do, but the makeup is, it's way over the top, but it's not very good. When you can see, when you can see the separation of like the, the normal eye socket to the fake bone eye socket, and then there's there's parts where the flesh is gone and there's muscle underneath, but then there's other parts where there's bone exposed and then muscle underneath the bone. How does that work? Um, so they they show the I think the killer gets more screen time actually than anyone else in the movie. Uh, all the characters are ridiculous and over the top. This movie was intended to be a horror comedy. Uh, some say it's not funny, and others say it's not scary. Uh, I say the movie's a blast. Um, I it's streaming right now on Tubi. Tubi, you love Check Tubi. Check it out, Doom Asylum from 1988. I hear it's actually not bad. I've heard the Shockwaves guys talk about it. Oh, Shockwaves is talking about I it? I think so. I don't know if you... Unless you're watching it with me, maybe. Oh, okay. Or other people. Thanks for the warning. I don't know if you would if you'd be able... And you know when you're watching Frankenhooker and Patty has that super thick Jersey accent you think is fake? Not nope. so much. <laughs> nope. Unless she's intentionally doing it in this movie, too. <clears throat> That's a 100% real accent. <clears throat> Um. Yeah. So that's that's the insane picks, man. Man, that's the show. That's it. Woo! It's over. It, that's it. I mean, after two of the you know best of 2019 and a 200th episode, it feels sort of uh, <laughs> walking like, the park. We're, we're, yeah. I mean, we have another couple hours, right? <laughs> I know, don't right? What are we uh, do? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. What a way to start the new start the new year. It's good huh? to be back on the regular. Yes. And we, we got some back. cool episodes coming up. We got some doozies coming up, folks. This is going to be back quite the year back. for Attack of Nine Killer years Podcast. later, we're planning ahead a little more than we used to. Yeah, we already got next episode figured out. That's weird. Crazy. And the one after that. Yeah, almost. And, and maybe the one after that. And maybe. What's the one after that? Just, well, the other one. Oh! Yeah, you know, the one with the thing. Oh. Yeah. We're going to talk about the thing again? No, of course, if we can. (laughs) All right, so thanks everybody out there for listening. Again, special thanks to the Patreon supporters. Thank you. It really means a lot, and we wouldn't be able to continually grow the show without you guys. You guys are the water to our seeds. So... Until next time, thanks for listening, and from all of us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast, see you soon. Oh no, could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer!